0: Gail Keys back here on the Edge Brain. She is a phenomenal author. Oh yes, she is. Uh, she's going to share with us about her writings. Also, we have been talking about possibly converting one of her books into a screenplay. What does that look like? We're going to make the call to action. We want to hear what's in her latest, um, her latest body of work. And I'm trying to find my postcard. Here we are, because I want you to know that you are here on the edge the place where the conversation is pointed guests are sharp and the responses are never dull and we are here with jl keys hi how are you jl hi, April.
1: i'm really good what's it like what's the weather like where you are today it's a lovely well, absolutely.
0: it was kind of raining earlier today and i was so happy because you know we don't get a lot of rain we did get a lot of rain this season and our ground has been so dry It doesn't absorb the water, so it's caused a lot of flooding. You guys get a lot of flooding there in Australia too, don't you? Some bad stuff and fires. We
1: do, both fires and flooding, but not where I am in Adelaide. We're very fortunate here and, you know, we keep our fingers crossed. It's usually down the East Coast, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, that sort of area, But at the moment, of course, up in Western Australia over um, Broomport, Headland, they're bracing. Well, I think the cyclone came in last night and it was a Category 5 or something, so we're not used to having that in Australia. So I haven't seen the news today to see what sort of destruction that's done. But down here in Adelaide, we seem to be a little bit protected from all of that. But, you know, I probably shouldn't say that too loud because next thing it'll happen. But um, at the moment, I've been through one fire when I lived in Victoria near Melbourne 30 odd years ago and yeah it's it's not a great situation to find yourself in for sure yeah
0: well we get a lot of fires uh in california too and so it is pretty intense and it's it's crazy but you guys have things called bushfires where is bushfires like our forest fire you call your your forest the bush i should imagine so yes it's just where there's
1: a lot of concentration obviously of vegetation and trees and it it all goes up, and there's no stopping it initially because there's just so much there to fuel it. so
0: um, let's talk about fueling the fire. How about that? Okay. Uh, you have been the throes of the fire, not just you know physically but mentally. Uh, tell us where you are today bring me bring me up today as to what's going on.
1: Well, from two years ago, when I first met you, I think that I've grown and matured in this industry. I know when I first met you, I was pretty green around the edges, you know, setting up this new business and this new hope to be able to reach a lot of people across the globe. And I probably was fuddling around a little bit, not really knowing how to present myself well. So hopefully I'll do that better today. But certainly over the last couple of years, there's been um, different challenges that have come in. You know, you, you present something and you hope it's going to work and it doesn't. So you, then you go back and reassess. And, and also learning that in the business field, you know, you can't just have one avenue really that you can present to the world. So I've gone and done public speaking. I've had sourced assistance for that to develop that, that skill in me, which apparently I have that skill to be nurtured and, and developed. So that's lovely. Um, you know, I've grown the business and what I offer through my online business, JL Keys, Anorexia Unlocked. I'm always looking out in the community and saying, look, how can we address this better? What sort of programs would address the need better? So, you know, I go back and refine what I'm doing there as well. Um, I joined um, Brains and other Brains, if you like, um, uh-huh. Frames Magazine, you know, based in Sweden, became a writer for them and received an award, which was a lovely honour at the end of last year for um for the writings that I do there. And, you know, I really hope that globally they're connecting with people. You know, my writing shares my story and inspiration. And hopefully when people engage and read, they can go, wow, if that lady can do it. Or, you know, there's just that little pearl of wisdom that someone reads and goes, I haven't thought of that before. I'm really glad I connected with this lady and heard her to
0: speak about. Absolutely. That. You know, you yeah. talked a little bit about the the world of anorexia. We don't talk about that as much anymore, but it's still very prevalent. I've got a friend um, that has a daughter that has an eating disorder. And, you know, I said, well, consider XYZ. Look into XYZ. And they assured me that, oh no, it couldn't be my daughter. My my child would never have an eating disorder. And this, that, and the other. And I said, well, the disorder is, you know, hiding and the shame and not wanting anybody to know is a huge part of this of the disorder. Am I correct? Exactly. You know, a
1: lot of people don't want people to know perhaps that they're struggling or there might be issues here within a family culture or arena or that their child is struggling, you know, at all. So it can be a hidden illness as well. So it's not only the client that's trying to hide behind it, but the very people that should perhaps be supporting that client. But then let's be fair to parents. Sometimes if you're not educated in this area or you haven't had connection to it, before you start to notice your child then it can be a difficult road to navigate and say look where do we start from where do we oh isn't this just a phase and you know it'll come we don't need to worry about it and so you know it can be not so much shame and blame or any of those sorts of things but just a lack of education and awareness of you know, the depth and detail of what their child
0: might be experiencing as well. So, and, you know, eat, and on the flip side of that, children that eat and binge, you know, they, you don't know that either. They hide it very well. They, they hide, it very hide it very well. well. And I was, um, I'm currently
1: doing a series of radio interviews here in Adelaide at the end of each month. Just to create awareness of eating disorders and you know what causes them and what we can do once they present and the healing process, and we're gradually building up information for our listeners uh, through that process. And I know when I did it a couple of weeks ago, um, the lady who was interviewing me asked that very question about you know we see depicted on movies you know people gorging their food and then bringing it up, you know surely that's not real and um, that was sort of the question posed and I said well actually it is real and this is not just filmmakers saying oh let's make this look like this Um, it's filmmakers is actually demonstrating and showing the world this is what some people with eating disorders actually do do this is a real behavior it wasn't one of mine but it certainly is one and we call it bulimic
0: you know they I stuff myself. Let me me dial back and and go back and try to help people understand what are some of the causes of this? Why is it associating food and eating uh, a part of the disorder? Of the disorder.
1: Look, Basically, I think the bottom line of that is somewhere at for that client, that person experiencing it, somewhere in their life there is an out-of-control issue. They're being controlled. They're being, They're responding to a sense of I want control back in my life. And then, you know, that might be the short answer, but then when we go into that answer, it can go off in different directions depending on the story of the person. And I guess that's one thing over the last two years that I've really focused on when I have discussions or I do public speaking now is we need to look at the story you know it's not a one size fits all we've got to go to the client say okay I want to hear your story and then in hearing the story look at the life events and the clues you know the clues that produce tears when they're spoken this is where the causes and the reasons are and we can't simply say look there are 10 causes this is what they are boom 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 and your child fits in with number two, five, and seven. You know, it's not as easy as that. So we'll just do it with two, five, and seven and you'll right. be out of here. Right. You know, it's a much more complex um, interrogation, if you like. But going into the story, you will find the clues. And then once you found the clues, you can create solutions for moving forward. But the main word I use now is understanding. Once you understand, that's the beginning point then the causes can be identified individually and therefore addressed.
0: Right. Well, I'm glad that there are people out you, like you that are still out there very vigilant to help people with this, because again, there might be an opportunity to save someone's life because they don't want to share with anyone else. And they would rather reach out to uh, a stranger, stranger being you online. Do you have support groups? Uh, online or do you have an anonymous telephone number what do you do for people that are kind of in the thralls of this but in the shadows in the shadows well that's why i set
1: it up as an online program as well and one of the reasons that i created a lot of different programs was for those people that are in the shadows and are well, some of them are wondering do i have an eating disorder? others are like, well, don't want anyone to know But I want to start to learn about it. So by sourcing online programs, they can sit quietly in their room or whatever and have a look at these programs and begin to educate themselves, begin to learn about who they've become with an eating disorder and begin to understand. And then once they've gained some knowledge and some understanding or even just answering, is this an eating disorder? And by going through my programs, they go, wow, wow, And because I embed my story in it and I give a lot of exercises and a lot of um, things that they can do privately, hopefully it will give them the courage to be able to say, yes, I actually do fit into this mold. And this lady, JL Keys, through her programs is saying, reach out to me via Zoom or reach out to me, you know, if you're in Adelaide, come and see me. Um, But I offer Zoom counselling as well, because sometimes I know I worked with a girl in the UK and she found that really valuable because she could just sit in the quietness of her bedroom and have a conversation with me. And she didn't have to necessarily let anyone else in on those conversations. So that really helped her be able to get in touch with what was happening for her and then begin to free herself from it as well. So,
0: Well, that's so important uh, that you have a support group, that you're not alone, be it one person, be it two or three people. This is a very individualized experience. This is a lot of trauma that people have went through. It's not just about the food. Again, like you say, it's about what you can control every aspect of your life and also being able to release, repair, and renew. You do that through writing. Tell me a little bit about your latest project and you know how you're thinking about making it a stage play, hopefully a uh, a television series, give me your dreams. Yep. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, just before I do that, I'll um, just to give some background for people. Uh, this is my first book. And I know we talked about that one, you know, two years ago, Anorexia Unlocked, Understanding a Story Through Mine. And then I went on because people encouraged me to. And I wrote this one, Recovery and All That Jazz. And then I did this one,
0: wow.
1: <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So those three are are available, you know, through amazon.com.au or through my website, jlkeys.com.au as well, Um, just to promote them a little bit. But out of that background then came a new idea. And the new idea, I started to write this over Christmas and then, you know, my life is just, life takes over. So hopefully it will get finished in July but this particular book that I'm writing, and I don't have a final name for it, but it's based on two cousins, and I'm obviously one of them. So it's a bit fictitious, but it has my story woven through it. And so it's about two cousins who are in their early 20s, and life is starting to go a bit astray. One married early, the other one who's me, realises that she's you know, off track somewhere and eventually discovers it's an eating disorder. But they decide, they meet frequently at a coffee shop and they decide one year look every year from now on the first week of July it's going to be ours, and we're going to go up so they source a place called cabins and you and every year in July they go and they take time out and initially it was simply that let's go and have a rest from whatever life is at the moment meet you know talk about our lives talk about the year you know before and share our griefs and all of those sorts of things and just rest but of course, as time goes by, they begin to deal with their, their day-to-day and their yearly life. So it turns into almost therapy sessions and then they begin to unpack their lives and then the eating disorder, you know, going through the therapy process and what that's really all about and they discover family connection and all of these things and over the process of 40 years because the book starts out they're now in their 60s and through dreams I go back and relive the 40 years before and it's really a story about the empowerment of women and these two women coming from very controlled uh, family upbringings to getting out from underneath of that family culture and standing on their own two feet and becoming the women that they really are, and then how they can empower other women along the way. So that's basically the thread through it. I also have, and this might sound a little bit silly, but I have cats along the way. So we go to the same cabin every year, and every year there is a cat there, and the first one's called Piper, and the cats are the theme of unconditional love. So through the cats we talk about the unconditional love and of course over 40 years Piper I think dies of cancer I think and it's and therefore going into grief so what does grief look like for the human being as well so and then the next two cats come along and then there's a fire we were talking about fires before April so we have this big bush fire mm. <laughs> those two cats sadly perish in that fire and Then we get the next two and the next two, and they all have their contribution in showing humanity what unconditional love looks like. Mm. And also gradually we come out from our little cocoon of cabin number 12, and we begin to mix with the other people that are there each year, you know, people that are different to us, people that walk in different lanes of life, and we become, because we're very judgmental, and so we start to break down our barriers and stop judging people and begin to accept people for who they are. There's a lot built into this story, but hopefully, through it, it's a demonstration. And then, you know, as we've talked, April, this would be a great storyline to put on the Absolutely. stage. Absolutely. One woman show or a Netflix. And the reason why someone suggested, Jenny Lee, why don't you write it in this way? And the idea is that I can go more deeply into. Uh, the experiences, you know, the despair. I can outline and describe exactly when I was in suicidal depression what that looked like for me. And so hopefully a reader can go, wow, that is really not good. You know, to give a reader who hasn't experienced any of this stuff in their life a true connection and understanding through word initially, and then hopefully through a stage play where they can engage with these people and begin to feel what people that experience mental illnesses actually experience and how hard their lives are. So that's the project in the background of my life at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, that's so important and valuable because not only are you giving them an audio, but you're giving them a visual. Yes. Taking them to a place, letting them settle in, think about their own process and how you went through it and how to love a cat. (laughs) I'm really a cat person I'm a dog person. do you have a cat do you own a cat well you said the cat that's in the the mountains that you go to but where you live on a regular basis do you own a cat as well oh look when I had my children with me
1: we had cats all the time and I think I chose a cat because a cat can sort of be there and go off and come back whereas a dog it, it just seemed to be it, it was the animal that came to mind and when I write I just write what comes to mind and that's you know what's meant to be but I haven't owned a dog, but I have done house sitting in periods of my life. And I'm about to go back to doing house sitting. And um, I always end up with a dog, which is really great. So I'm starting house sitting again on the 4th of May here in Adelaide for five weeks up in the Adelaide Hills. And I have a beautiful, brutal dog that's about as big as me that I'm going to walk every day. And um, I'm really looking forward to doing that with Bella. So um,
0: and then eventually. I when what I... about house sitting? There's a lot of people that do that. Um, what got you interested in it can be very exciting because you can stay at very posh places. I mean, they're not going to have a house sitter just for any old average place. You can stay at some pretty swank, swanky places. Tell me a little bit about your house sitting.
1: Well, I can tell you this place I'm going to 4th of May. is a swanky place. I can tell you, I feel a little bit, cool. but anyway, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, look, I got into house sitting about eight years ago um, when I was, sort of deciding, shall I stay in Adelaide? My daughter was in Sydney at the time. She's saying, mum, why don't you come to Sydney and, you know, live there? And so waiting to make that decision, I thought I'll go into house sitting. So I did. And I went from, and it was interesting. The universe always backed them all up one after the next, after the next, and um, I lived in some beautiful homes around Adelaide and different areas of Adelaide, so it was a wonderful experience and you meet lovely people and you get to look after their pets, you know their animals, cats and dogs, rabbits, fish, whatever and so with where my life is at at the moment, and not quite sure where I'm relocating to be nearer my adult children and my grandson and um so I thought, you know what, let's just go back into house sitting. Why we deciding exactly where I'm going to permanently place myself?
0: So when so you have, well, what do you do? You get put like on a roster or on a list saying that, uh, are you looking for someone to, you know, take care of your property and watch your pets while you're on vacation? Call me, something like that. Do you have to be licensed and bonded and insured? What what do you qualifications uh, do you need to have to be a house setter?
1: There are different house sitting sites. And the one that I'm connected to is called Aussie House Sitters. And so you create your profile and you pay your yearly subscription. And then the people looking for house sits, they advertise, you know, who they are, what they want, the dates that they want to do it and all of that sort of thing. And then they can go and look at profiles and reach out to me and say, hey, Jenny Lee, I've seen your profile. You look like you would be a good fit for us. Um, how about it? I had one coming through this morning asking me that, or I go on there and I reach out and say, "Look, I've noticed you." Blah blah blah. I'm really interested in. Would love to walk your dog every day. Blah 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 blah. Now,
0: without one too much detail, how are you compensated? Or is it just like free rent, or do they also pay you a salary? No, it just everything
1: is free. So you're there looking. You're doing a service for them, really. So you don't pay anything. Um,
0: you just bring in the groceries can you have company over at the house do you have to be be insured and bonded because things happen you know
1: no that's what really surprises me I think gosh in this day and age it's a very trusting um process you know I guess being an ex um because I still do relief work as a teacher in secondary schools as well so I have a police check through there and so I am a credible person in that way and you do There's a lot of people that do house sitting. That's their life. That's what they do. And you do build up a reputation. And I know last time, eight years ago, I built up a a really good reputation. And so I got house sits because of word of mouth as well. And that will probably happen this time as well. So it's really great. I mean, you save a lot of money, obviously, and um, you live in beautiful homes and things like that. The downside is that, you know, you might only be there for three weeks and you got to clean up their house.
0: Oh, I know them. exactly.
1: Yeah, the next one. So I like them to be, you know, three months or four months, so you can really settle in and then, you know, move on. That's but-
0: fun. That's pretty interesting. So moving forward, what is your objective? What do you want to do? You want to convert this uh, newest literary work into a stage play. But what else do you want to see and and accomplish and do in the next maybe three to five years? Three to five years. I would
1: like to think in
0: five years that I'm looking back
1: on someone who has really broken through into the eating disorder industry via her online programs. I would like to see public speaking walk through the door. I've done a couple. I know it's a process of people gaining confidence in are you able to do this? You know, I would like to think that I've looked back and I, I've been successful in that and being able to share my message, not just my story, but the learning from it, what people can take from that story and apply to their own. I would like to think that I'm looking back on that. I would like to think that my current three books are are really getting out there and ending up in the hands of a lot of people. And that may sound a bit big headed, but when I get comments back from people, you know, of how wonderful and oh my gosh, this book has helped me so much. It's helped me understand who I am and why I am. And it's given me ideas of how I can move forward. You know, I've had wonderful, wonderful feedback from my books. And I'd like to think that they are going to gain ground and find, you know a lot of homes to live in and of course I'd really it'd be great if the play idea eventuates and I know that I've got a lady that you also know April in France is up in Queensland who has an ability to be able to facilitate and support me in achieving that goal I've also connected with um what's her name Kez oh why should I forget Kez Wickham St George who's a powerful writer, you know, in Perth and she's connected to stage and screen and, and those in one of her books was put, you know, as a screenplay as well. So I feel as though there's wonderful people coming in to guide me in that direction as well. But, you know, that's that sounds like it's all about me and what I want for me. You know and what,
0: of- this, let me stop you right you there. there. Let me stop you right there because it is all about you and it is all about what you want and there's nothing wrong with that. Because without a want and a desire, there uh, is no compassion. There's no drive to continue to forge ahead, to continue in this work. There has to be some reward. And I tell people all the time, look for the ROI. Look for the reward in your investment. This is your time, your energy. You've been through this experience. You're caring about others. Also monetizing, creating a book, selling that book, having people purchase the book shows that there's an investment in what you're doing. There's a lot of people there, uh, you know, under the covers and not wanting people to know that they have mental illness challenges. Uh, There's a shame associated with it. It's just a disease or a problem or a complication that all of us cannot physically see, but know that it is very important that we show compassion, understanding, and not judge, It's something very different, as I was telling you, you know, culturally, you would find that Black people gain a lot of weight, overweight. We don't believe, as a culture, uh, in starving ourselves. But I'm seeing this uh, morphing more into other uh, cultures outside, because it was primarily when it was diagnosed and and found out by me, um, it was more Caucasians that would go through the bulimic cycle, or that would the group of individuals that talked about it. Now it's surfacing with athletes. Uh, Now it's surfacing with supermodels. Now it is doing a lot with adolescents. Um, So you have to look at where these people are at their particular juncture in their life, how they're feeling vulnerable, how they're feeling alone, and connect with that and JL you're doing a great job and I really appreciate you for staying in the space tell my brains how to get in contact with you uh if they want more information and definitely how to purchase the books brains we're going to have all the information on the books in the show notes as well as the back of the interview but uh go ahead Jenny and tell me a little bit about how to get in contact with you precious Well, obviously, the first port of call
1: is um, my website, jlkeys.com.au. And that will give you a lot of information about who I am and what I'm offering. Uh, There is a on the contact page. You can go in through Calendly and um, book a time slot with me as well. You're very welcome to write to my business email, which is hollow at jlkeys.com.au. If you're wanting to reach out and ask a question or connect in any way, Um, that's certainly how the UK people did it. They heard me on a similar podcast somewhere in the world and they reached out to me in that way, which was really, really lovely. The book's you can buy those the best thing is just to go into my website i have an individual page for the books and they're all outlined there and what they're about and what you can expect to learn from them and that will connect you to my shop which will connect you to amazon where they can purchase those three books as well so please go
0: in and leave a comment comments are so valuable because sometimes we put out content Uh, as creators that we think that is valuable to you, but that's based upon our experience. What are you experiencing? What is the conversation that you're having in your head? What are the feelings inside of your heart? What are the things that you're holding inside of your hands? What is going to make you feel better? So we want you to, again, leave a comment um, so that we can talk through this. These are other things that JL can go in and research develop, and come back to you with this response, but not just for you, for others, again, that I said are under the covers and living in silence. Thank you so much. Brains, go in and do what you do, okay? I need you to like, love, share, and subscribe. Here on The Edge, the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Thank you so much, Miss Keyes. Come back and see me again. I love you. Thanks, April. Thanks so much for having me. Enjoy
1: it all the time. All right. Bye, Brains. Bye.